What I've heard from teachers time and again is I care about the research, I want to be doing the right things, but I want a direct line to researchers. I want researchers to look at what I'm doing in the classroom, what materials I have, and tell me, is it the right stuff or not? Um, and if it's not, um, I, want to, I, I want some help with that. From APM Reports, this is Educate. I'm Stephen Smith. The person you just heard is Sue Pimentel. She's the founding partner of an organization called Student Achievement Partners. Earlier this month, Student Achievement Partners released a review of a set of materials for teaching reading. These curriculum materials are called Units of Study, more commonly known as Reader's Workshop. They were created by a professor at Teachers College, Columbia University, named Lucy Calkins. Joining me on the podcast to talk about the new review of these materials is our senior education correspondent, Emily Hanford. Hi, Emily. Hi, Stephen. So we've talked about Lucy Calkins on the podcast before. Remind us about her work. Lucy Calkins is widely known in the world of education. Uh, there was a recent survey by Education Week that found that her materials to teach reading are among the most popular on the market. But in our documentary, A Loss for Words, uh, that came out last August, we reported that some of the ideas about reading and how reading should be taught that are woven into her materials are ideas that have been debunked by scientists who study reading. But as far as I know, reading researchers have never been asked to actually look through the materials in like a systematic way and make a judgment. Does this stuff line up with what we scientists have learned about how skilled reading works? If a child is taught with these materials, is it likely that the child will become a good reader based on what scientists now know about how children learn to read? Well, that's surprising given the fact that, as you've reported, all this scientific evidence on reading has been around for a long time, for decades. Scientists have never actually looked inside the box? Individual scientists have looked at these materials. For example, as we recently talked about on this podcast, cognitive scientist Mark Seidenberg, who's written a lot about reading, he wrote a piece back in December where he raised a bunch of serious questions about Calkins' materials after he read through many of the teacher guides and the lessons himself. And there are other kinds of curriculum reviews out there. Uh, there's an organization called Ed Reports that looks at curriculum and asks the question, does this line up with the common core standards? That's useful for schools, but knowledge of whether a curriculum is consistent with the standards is a bit different than knowing if it's consistent with, in this case, the scientific research on reading. Standards describe what students should know and be able to do. They don't lay out how to teach those things. So, for example, the standards might say that children need to learn phonics, and the standards do say that, but they don't say how. The standards are basically agnostic on the way schools should teach things, the specific lessons they should use, the approaches they should use. This is, for the most part, up to the school districts or the schools or even individual teachers. But the how really matters. You can teach phonics in a way that lines up with what the scientific research says about how phonics skills develop and why they're important. And you can also check the box on phonics. Yep, we're teaching that. We're in line with the standards. But you may not be teaching phonics in a way that actually reflects what scientists have figured out about how reading works in the brain. Your approach to teaching phonics may not be well-informed by the evidence on how people learn. Okay, so let's get into this review. First of all, why did Student Achievement Partners decide to review Lucy Calkins' materials? Let me begin by saying this is the first in a series of reviews Student Achievement Partners is planning. 
They're going to look at several different kinds of materials to teach reading and ask the question, do these materials line up with what scientists have discovered about how skilled reading develops? So more reviews are coming. Sue Pimentel, who we heard earlier, told me that student achievement partners decided to begin with Lucy Calkins for two basic reasons. One, when Pimentel and her colleagues do work in schools trying to help teachers understand how to teach reading effectively, they get lots of questions about Calkins materials. As I said, Calkins materials are popular, but as many teachers who use her materials have told me, when they learn about the scientific research on reading, they begin to see there are things in Calkins materials that are questionable. Teachers want to know, am I doing the right stuff or not? The other reason Student Achievement Partners decided to begin with Calkins materials is that there isn't much out there right now that gives educators any insight on whether using her units of study materials are a good choice. The materials haven't been reviewed by ed reports. I mentioned them earlier. And while some publishers and curriculum developers can point to studies that indicate their materials or approaches are effective in things like randomized controlled trials, for example, there hasn't been that kind of research published about the Calkins units of study materials. So while many schools and teachers use the units of study and like them a lot, there is really no evidence one way or the other to say whether they're effective. What did student achievement partners ask the reviewers to do? Here's how Sue Pimentel described it to me. So we delivered um, boxes of uh, the program, and we asked them to read the instructions and the guides and look at the lessons and engage with those materials as if they were a teacher who had to implement the program. There were seven reviewers. Each reviewer was asked to independently look at the units of study materials and focus on their individual areas of reading research expertise. Those areas of expertise broadly defined were the foundational skills of reading, helping children learn how to read words to develop automatic word recognition and become fluent readers. And another big area of expertise among the reviewers was how to help children build their vocabulary and their knowledge. As we've talked about in our reporting, this is critical when it comes to children being able to understand what they read. You have to be able to read the words, but you also need to know what the words mean and have the background knowledge to make the kinds of inferences and connections that are necessary to understand a complex text. There was also a reviewer with a particular expertise in the research on how to help children who are learning to speak English develop the skills they need to become proficient readers of English. What did these reviewers find when they looked at the materials? Let's begin with the positives. The reviewers agreed that the lessons in units of study were engaging and beautifully crafted. That's a quote. Uh, Here's one of the reviewers. His name is David Page. He's an associate professor of literacy at Bellarmine University in Louisville, Kentucky. He studies the development and teaching of foundational skills, the decoding word reading side of things. Here's what he liked in the Calkins units of study materials. There is a large emphasis on students, uh, you know, getting some some fun out of reading, you know, making it something that they that they enjoy, and I think that that's important. That's really important. You know, kids have to see a value in being able to read, and if they don't see a value, uh, then they learn it as just something that they can do, which which for those kids is something that when they need it they have it, which is good, <laughs> better than to have it than not have it when you need it. For other kids, uh, you know, I think they learn to realize that uh, reading is really fun when they get in the right kinds of things, uh, books and text, they can learn all kinds of things that may interest them specifically. And this is really, really great. 
But David Page concluded that while the units of study materials might be engaging and motivating for some kids, the materials are not strong or aligned with the evidence when it comes to teaching kids how to read words. So I think where units of study will work quite well would be in a school where you have kids who come from literate households, who've had a lot of literacy exposure before they've ever walked into the door. I think most of those kids will probably benefit from this program. But even within that group, there will be students who are going to struggle with literacy acquisition. Uh, For those kids, uh, the program's going to fail them. Uh, it's, it's just not going to work. Now, if you get into other kinds of schools where we have historically students who struggle with reading acquisition, uh, the program's going to fail most of those students. That's a pretty damning assessment. Were the other uh, reviewers agreeing with him on these points? Yes. This was pretty much the big takeaway from the report. What the reviewers found when they looked at the units of study materials is that children who arrive at school already reading or primed to read, as they said it in their executive summary, children who come to school ready to read, primed to read, would likely develop into successful readers in a school using the units of study materials. But children who need to be taught how to read, they are likely to be left behind. Why? What's missing? As we've talked about in our reporting, there's a percentage of children who learn to read pretty well, no matter how they're taught. It might be about 40% of kids. The way that sounds and letters work comes easily to these kids. They don't need a whole lot of instruction to pick up on the patterns of written English and become proficient at sounding out words and eventually storing them in their long-term memory. But a lot of kids, most kids, it doesn't come that easily to them. They need direct and explicit instruction. And the research shows that instruction needs to be systematic. In other words, teachers need to take kids through the sounds and the spelling patterns of the English language in a sequenced and logical way from beginning to end so the kids don't end up with holes in their knowledge. The reviewers did not find this kind of explicit and systematic instruction in the units of study materials. This is Claude Goldenberg. He's a professor emeritus at Stanford whose expertise is teaching reading to English language learners. I mean, the evidence is just overwhelming that you need systematic instruction, explicit instruction, not to the exclusion of everything else, right? Let's let's get that cleared up. I mean, no one says all you need is phonics, right? I mean, that canard is out there, and I, I just wish someone would blow it up because it's it's just a total red herring. But it's an important component. And as you yourself have noted in in your writings, and different kids need different amount of that. Most kids, at least half, let's say, need some amount of that. Some need a whole lot more than just some amount. So the absence of any kind of sort of explicit and systematic approach to teaching the alphabetic principle, the alphabet, sound symbol relationships, phonics, decoding, those are, you know, the foundational skills. They're, They're just fundamental to learning to read. So the fact that that's like absent, as far as I and my fellow reviewers could tell, is is really troubling. Well, Emily, one of the things we talked about in the last podcast episode is that Lucy Calkins is now selling a set of materials to teach phonics. Did the reviewers look at that? Yes, they did. They looked at her phonics program. She created a units of study for teaching phonics a couple of years ago. Phonics was largely missing in her approach before that, and by coming up with a phonics program, she was acknowledging the important role of phonics skills when it comes to learning how to read. However, the reviewers who looked at her phonics materials as part of the Student Achievement Partners review found the materials substantially lacking in the approach 
misguided on some key findings from the research. What did the reviewers find that was wrong with this phonics program? There are three main areas of concern that they identified. One is that there's not enough time built in for teaching phonics, and in particular for kids to practice what they've been taught. The program advises teachers specifically to limit phonics lessons to 20 minutes a day. And that might not be enough in some schools and for some kids or in some stages of learning how to read. Reviewer David Page noted there are some optional extension activities that teachers can do if children are struggling. But he notes, quote, there are counter pressures in the rest of the materials to get off foundational skills and into the reading and writing workshops. What the reviewers I spoke to told me is that the belief that they saw embedded in these materials is that learning to read mostly happens through exposure to books and through motivating kids to want to read. They told me that in Lucy Calkins' work, uh, phonics, even in her new phonics curriculum, is treated more like a little piece of the puzzle that teachers need to get through as quickly as possible. Again, some kids don't need much instruction, but the research shows that good phonics skills are critical to becoming a good reader and that most kids need a substantial amount of instruction in the early grades and into the later grades, too, if, they're, if it's needed. So the big concern is that what is described and prescribed in the phonics units of study is not going to do it for a lot of children. You said there were two other main question marks about Calkins' uh, phonics materials. What are those? Another big concern is about assessments. So how do teachers know which kids are struggling with what parts of understanding how the sounds and words are represented by letters? A big concern in the review is that the assessments that are recommended in the phonics units of study may not actually give teachers very much information about that. And perhaps more distressingly, the reviewers noted, there's very little guidance for teachers on what to do when they do identify a student who is struggling with how to read words. So that was a big area. And then the third big area of concern had to do with the three queuing system. Ah, yes, the three queuing system, something we've talked about before on the podcast. Remind us what we need to know about three queuing and uh, what the reviewers found. So if listeners want more in-depth background on what Three queuing is all about. They should listen to At a Loss for Words, which I mentioned earlier. It's a podcast episode and documentary that we released in August of 2019. But here's a quick summary. Three queuing is basically a theory of how reading works. It says that skilled readers rely on context and meaning to identify words as they read rather than relying on the letters in the words. There is now a huge body of scientific evidence that says this three queuing theory is wrong and that teaching kids to identify words using cues takes their attention away from what they need to be learning about letters and sounds and actually makes it harder for some kids to learn how to read. In response to some of the buzz about our reporting on this topic and to other reporting that's being done about early reading instruction, Lucy Calkins released a statement in December in which she said there is, quote, no three queuing system in her reading program. The thing that I found shocking about her statement was how she misrepresented the program. That's reviewer Claude Goldenberg again. He was actually in the midst of reviewing the units of study materials for this Student Achievement Partners review when Calkins made that statement back in December. You know, when she said, I don't know anyone who uses three queuing system. Well, maybe that's true superficially, because you don't hear that term anymore. As you know, it's kind of become toxic. 
But when you look at the actual program and what she is holding up explicitly, and you know, you can read passage in there of what a ideal teacher-child interaction is around reading text. When you read what she's actually advocating and saying is model instruction, I mean, that is three queuing system gussied up with some other syllables, uh, some other initials, right? She talks about MSV. MSV. Now, you've talked to me about that one before, Emily, and let's see if I remember it. Uh, M stands for using meaning to identify words as you're reading. The S stands for using the syntax of the sentence. For example, is it a noun or is it a verb? And the V means using the visual information, what the word looks like, the letters in the word. Yes, right. So Claude Goldberg is saying that this MSV idea is in the Calkins materials? Yes. Other reviewers noted it, too. The idea that good readers use various strategies to identify words and that using phonic skills to identify a word is one strategy. This idea is all over the Calkins materials. And when she says it's not, she's not telling the truth, says Claude Goldenberg. I mean, she's just being dishonest because it is baked, that three queuing system thing is baked into this program. And the idea that she would say, well, I don't know anyone who uses that. Well, anyone who uses this program is using that. Would they call it that or they call it something else? And here's the big concern with queuing and why I've spent a considerable amount of time on this idea as a reporter. The queuing idea is a theory of how people read words. But as I said earlier, the theory is wrong. And when this idea is deeply baked into an approach to teaching reading, and it's baked into other popular materials and approaches too, when this queuing idea is baked in, it tells you something about the beliefs of the people who have written the materials. It tells you something about what they know about reading or what they don't know. When queuing is baked into a reading program, it's a red flag that the program is not well aligned with the scientific evidence. That's not to say there's nothing research-based or useful or effective in a program that also contains this queuing idea. As I said earlier, the reviewers found things to applaud in units of study, things that do line up with research and best practice. They noted some good things in the phonics program, too. But there's a lot of stuff that's off. Reviewer David Page summed it up this way. You know, uh, it's... Th- it's the materials are contradictory. I, I think I, I want to. They're contradictory. You know, the materials do talk about uh, phonological awareness. They do talk about phonics. They do teach some phonics, uh, but then it's all just contradicted. You know, with the effusion of this this MSV uh, uh, stuff throughout the curriculum. And David Page's bottom line concern is this: he says teachers are not being taught how children learn to read in their teacher preparation programs. And we have a lot of other evidence that this is not the case. In our own reporting and other surveys that have been done, teachers are not being taught how reading works. So uh, teachers get out. They really don't understand uh, what to do. So they quite often rely on a curriculum to guide them every day. And uh, uh, unfortunately, so much of, of this uh, is, is, is flawed. So David Page is saying teachers are not taught how kids learn to read, so they learn from the curriculum how reading works, and that's how they figure out how to teach it. Exactly. And this is why it's important to look at the beliefs and assumptions about reading that are baked into a reading program. 
Because as teachers use these materials, they're learning these beliefs and making these assumptions, and then they end up believing things about reading that, it turns out, are not quite right. They end up believing things about how skilled reading develops that are not grounded in the scientific evidence base. They end up believing things that aren't true. And that's not their fault. They're learning from what they are being given by their schools and districts. Emily, we've talked so far mostly about what you've referred to as the foundational skills of reading, how kids learn to read words. But as you've said in your reporting, that's only part of the equation. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that this review of the units of study materials looked at other areas, like how well the units of study line up with the evidence base on teaching vocabulary and knowledge. What did the reviewers find? Well, as I said, one of the things that Calkins basically acknowledged by creating a phonics program a few years ago is that phonics is important and her program didn't have it. Other curriculum developers and publishers who had in the past largely ignored the importance of foundational skills have also been increasingly acknowledging the importance of those skills and creating materials to address what was once missing in their approaches. But in the larger debate about reading, many of the authors and publishers who once skimmed over phonics had always said that their materials were particularly strong on the other side of the equation. So proponents of so-called balanced literacy, for example, have held up their approaches as being really good at getting kids focused on reading comprehension, you know, not spending too much time on skills lessons and spending more time on getting kids to read, quote unquote, real books so kids can develop the vocabulary and the knowledge that comes from lots of reading. But this review found several shortcomings of units of study when it comes to helping kids build their knowledge and expand their vocabularies. Remind us again why that's important. I mean, it seems kind of obvious, but since the review we're talking about was geared towards looking at instructional materials with, uh, with an eye toward how they align with the research, what actually does the research on reading say about why knowledge and vocabulary matter so much? It basically says that even if we could teach virtually all kids to be really good at reading words, we would still have children with reading comprehension issues. Because your ability to understand what you read is deeply linked to what you know. There's a famous study commonly referred to as the baseball study. It basically showed that kids who weren't very good word readers but had a lot of knowledge about baseball were able to understand a text about baseball, as well as kids who were really good word readers, but knew not much of anything about baseball. So the bottom line is knowledge matters a ton. And so if the goal is to help kids understand what they read, and everyone agrees that's the goal. But if that's the goal, reading comprehension, then reading instruction has to focus on building children's knowledge and helping them understand the meaning of lots and lots of words. In the Student Achievement Partners Review, the authors pointed to research that shows building knowledge needs to be done in an explicit and systematic way if all kids are going to benefit. It needs to be done systematically and explicitly, just like phonics instruction, because here's the reality. Some children have the opportunity to learn a lot of stuff and the meanings of lots of words in their daily lives. Often, these kids are from homes where their parents have had good educational opportunities. The parents know a lot of stuff, and they pass that knowledge on to their kids. In direct ways, the parents tell their kids stuff, uh, tell their kids about things, and in indirect ways, through experiences and opportunities that children who have well-educated parents are often more likely to have, in large part because of things like family income. 
More family income often means more chances for experiences that increase your knowledge of the world. Trips, films, museums, books, things like that. The bottom line is, if the goal is to help all children from various backgrounds become good readers, then kids have to have the chance to learn a lot of stuff in school. There needs to be a curriculum in place that ensures they gain lots of knowledge. And when it comes to reading instruction in particular, the research suggests you want to make sure that kids are being asked to practice reading in books that teach them things about the world, and also that they're being asked to read texts that challenge them, texts that help them develop better reading skills and expose them to new ideas. Well, what did the reviewers find in the units of study materials? They found a number of shortcomings, as I said before. And again, I I think it's important for listeners to take note here. This review by Student Achievement Partners is not just saying that units of study fall short on foundational skills development, which has been widely acknowledged even by Lucy Calkins. This review says the program falls short in other areas, too. One major shortcoming identified by the reviewers is that the books the program recommends teachers read out loud to children were found to be, for the most part, too easy. The books teachers read out loud. I thought we were talking about kids learning to read on their own. We are. But when kids are in the early stages of learning to read, they can't read complex texts on their own. They don't know how to do it yet. But their teacher can read books out loud that are full of information and sophisticated vocabulary words. Teachers can read books about science and history. They can read chapter books, story books that are full of complex sentences to help kids develop their language comprehension skills. Basically, at the early stages of learning to read, kids are reading fairly simple books on their own, but they should be listening to books that are above their reading level. And the review says they're not getting this in the units of study program. The review identified that for the most part anyway, the books that the program recommends for teachers to read out loud are not complex enough to build the kind of knowledge and language comprehension that will help children become better readers. The review also pointed out that units of study lesson plans don't ask teachers to pay as much explicit attention to the features of text and language as is suggested by the research. But the big issue with the units of study is that it leaves a whole lot to teachers and students to decide for themselves. One of the foundational beliefs in units of study materials is choice and autonomy. The idea is that if students get to choose what books they want to read, they'll be more motivated to read. Similarly, teachers are left to decide what books they want to read out loud to kids. The problem with this, according to Sue Pimentel from Student Achievement Partners, is that it just leaves too much to chance. We call it sort of a make-your-own-adventure program and materials, and by that I mean that teachers have to figure out a ton on their own, and the students themselves have to figure out a ton. Another shortcoming identified by the reviewers is that the units of study relies on what's known as leveled reading. There are many programs to teach reading in this country that rely on leveled readers. What happens is that kids are assigned a reading level based on assessments that are designed to determine what level they're on. And when they're choosing what books they want to read, they're given a set of choices among books that are on their so-called reading level. There are a whole bunch of questions to ask about how books get leveled and how kids' reading levels are determined. We don't have time to get into all of that on this podcast episode, but the issue identified by student achievement partners is that in a leveled reading program, and units of study is one of them, kids don't actually get a lot of choice in what they read. Even though that's the idea, they are supposed to be choosing only from books 
that are on their reading level. And that's defined as books that they can read with 96% accuracy on their own. The concern is that children who are not learning to read words and are not being taught how to do that in their reading instruction, they're getting stuck in low-level books and they're never getting exposure to the knowledge and vocabulary they need to become better readers. They're not getting exposure to that in what they're trying to read on their own, and they may not even be getting exposed to that in what their teacher reads out loud to them either. Sounds like the reviewers came up with a deeply comprehensive critique of, of the, these materials. What has Lucy Calkins had to say about the review? She has responded. I, I put in a request to see if she would be willing to do an interview, and I did not get a response to that request. She did send a statement to me through her publisher. Her publisher is Heinemann. It's a division of Houghton Mifflin. Heinemann sent a response, too, and I also got hold of an email that Calkins sent out to schools that use her materials on the day that this review was published. What'd she say? The response from her publisher, Heinemann, was short and to the point, so I can read it in its entirety. I have it here. Uh, It says this. Heinemann author Lucy Calkins has a decades-long legacy of life-changing results for students at all levels in school districts across America. Her team is dedicated to continuous learning through daily practice in hundreds of classrooms, using the best available research to inform methodology. Does this indicate, to your mind, an openness to learning from this review? Um, Are there indications that that might happen? Yeah, so in that statement, uh, she says that her team is dedicated to continuous learning. And in the response that she passed on to me and in the response that she wrote to schools who use her materials, she indicated in all of those that she is interested in learning from this review. The reviewers I talked with were encouraged by that. Here's David Page. When I read that statement by her, I was, I was impressed. You know, she could have responded quite differently to this, to this review. Uh, she did mention that in many places it's harsh, and it is. Uh, but I was really impressed that she responded as a learner. So I just I want to put that out. The question is, what will she learn from this, and what changes will she make? I heard from a school board member in a wealthy, high-performing school district that's been using Calkins materials for years. This school board member asked not to be identified, but emailed me to say that this review from Student Achievement Partners is likely to, quote, create some pause in districts like ours. And there's a lot on the line here. There's many millions of dollars that school districts have invested. I asked the reviewers I talked to what they thought needed to be done to change the units of study materials to to better reflect the research. Here's what David Page said to me. Um, I think what needs to be changed... um I think there needs to be kind of a wholesale reconstruction (laughs) of the program at how they go about doing this. Um, I don't think it's an easy fix. And I think the the, the idea, when, when I see the MSV, when people incorporate that, that tells you fundamentally where their philosophy is about how children learn to read. And, and how you help them learn to read. So how you help them reflects what you think about how they learn. David Page says the first thing that needs to go is the MSV queuing system. I've looked at the units of study materials, too, and I can confirm that getting rid of the queuing strategies will be a heavy lift. That idea is really all over the place in these lessons and these materials. Sue Pimentel from Student Achievement Partner, she told me that her organization is going to be releasing some guidelines for districts that are using units of study and having a good experience with it. As the reviewers noted, there are some kids, 
many kids in some schools and districts who are likely to develop into good readers with this program in place. So Student Achievement Partners is going to issue some guidance to those schools and those districts. Here are some things that you could do differently now with these materials to try to improve their efficacy for more children. And there's definitely stuff worth holding on to in the units of study, says Clyde Goldenberg, one of the reviewers. I mean, I think there's some great sort of literacy rich, and I don't mean that in any ironic sort of way. Uh, there's some great literacy rich ideas and activities for kids who get to a certain level of literacy. But it sounds, Emily, like the bottom line is that this program is not going to help all kids learn to read. Yes. It's important to point out that programs don't teach children. Teachers do. And there is probably no perfect program. And there probably never will be. The idea that one program will get all kids reading is a holy grail. And see, you have to have background knowledge for comprehension to understand what I'm talking about. You need to know what a holy grail is. What I'm saying here is we could forever be in pursuit of a perfect reading program and never find it. David Page told me that in his research and in his experience working in schools, he finds that knowledgeable teachers are more important, more significant than whatever programs or materials those teachers are using. A knowledgeable teacher can make a whole lot of different stuff work. But lots of teachers don't know that much about how reading skill develops because no one has ever taught it to them. This makes them even more reliant on whatever curriculum materials they have or can find. What they end up knowing about reading, as I said before, may be what they learn from the materials. That puts an even higher burden on the materials, and I think that's why this review is significant. Because for the first time, we have a review of instructional materials to teach reading that is looking at what is the theory about how reading works that these materials are based on. Are these materials based on ideas that have a solid grounding in the scientific research on reading? And what this review says about the units of study series from Lucy Calkins is, no, there are some good things in the units, but fundamentally there is a contradiction between what the reading science says and what's in these materials. Emily, thank you for taking us through this complicated but incredibly important set of issues. And I know you're going to be continuing your reporting. You're welcome. Really good to talk to you. That is senior education correspondent Emily Hanford. That's it for this episode. Tell us what you think. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Educate Podcast. Or send us a note to contact at apmreports.org. Emily Hanford's audio documentaries about reading, along with much more information on reading science and a list of her sources, is available at apmreports.org slash reading. Alex Baumhart and Chris Julin produced the podcast. This episode was mixed by Johnny Vince Evans. We partner with the Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM.